You are listening to the strongest podcast in CrossFit. This is the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. All right, guys, I want to tell you a little bit about Type 1 Lifting. So Type 1 Lifting is a clothing brand that proceeds of the shirts, the hats, and everything else go to the Children's Diabetes Foundation. This whole t-shirt company started from me taking care of a five-year-old girl from the emergency department at the Children's Hospital I worked at in Atlanta for a while back. Um, I thought I needed to do a little bit more than kind of just talk about my story. So this is how I started the clothing line because I wanted to show people that even though diabetics have this really bad disease, we can still do amazing things in our life and diabetes won't stop, you know, stop us reaching our goals. So go check out type1lifting.com. And, um, you know, if you have any questions, you can always reach me out on Instagram. It's type1lifting and hope you guys enjoy the show. Hey guys, we have a new sponsor for the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. The company's called Liberté Lifestyle. So Liberté is a French word meaning freedom, and the company was founded on the desire to have freedom to choose what we want to do with our lives. I actually had the owner, um, Nicole, on my podcast on episode 28, so if you want to go back and listen to her, um, she talks about how she started the company and what she wants to do in the future with the company, which is pretty cool. So uh, they actually have knee sleeves, wrist wraps, shirts, shorts. Uh, love the knee sleeves. I have the ice cream knee sleeves, and I love them so much. They haven't, the neoprene's still good. Uh, the seams haven't split compared to other uh, knee sleeves that I have had in the past, uh, and I'm planning to keep these for a very, very long time. So uh, Nicole actually gave me a promo code for you guys too. So it's all capital letters, T-Y-P-E, and the number one. So it's type one. So go to LibertéLifestyle.com, uh, check out what they have in the store, use the promo code type one, and save some coin. Now let's go to the episode. All right, guys, welcome to a new episode of the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I have the two-time fittest military service member and semifinals athlete, Aaliyah Miller. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Not bad. Well, we had a great conversation before this. I should have recorded it right in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Lots, yeah, uh, of, lots of different topics. Some tinfoil yeah, hats. <laughs> yes, definitely. I I. I I don't really put on the tinfoil hat that much, but I just, there's like one thing and we just talked about, I, I have to put the tinfoil hat on. So, um, but, but anyways, um, I, I know we, we met through, you know, obviously Instagram cause we, you messaged me about like a certain athlete. So, um, obviously like I'm a diabetic. This is kind of like a quasi diabetes fitness podcast. And so, um, what's, what's your experience with, with diabetes? So to be honest, I don't have a ton of experience with it. Um, I think I found your podcast through Victor Rodriguez. Okay. Um, I think he posted about it and then I, I gave it a listen. I listened to a couple episodes. Um, I think the first one I listened to was your episode with Ariel Lowen. Nice. Um, I, I love her as an athlete. I love listening to her on podcasts. So um, that was an awesome episode, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. But um, I w- I'm a coach at my gym. I coach at Cobra Command CrossFit in Baser, Kansas. And uh, we have an athlete at the gym who's a type 1 diabetic. And she was getting ready to do her very first competition. Um, she was competing in the Festivus Games, which nice. um, I, I assume you've heard of it. But for people who haven't, it's like a, a 
scaled and intermediate only competition. You know, it's called Festivus for the rest of us. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And it's meant to be very accessible, um, you know, very much like entry level competition. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she was super excited, but she was very nervous about how to manage her blood sugar throughout the day. Um, And it, the my conversation with her about this just so happened to come up like the day after I connected with you on Instagram and I was like oh my gosh this is perfect I need to ask him yeah 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 (laughs) so yeah I sent you that message and uh she was very appreciative of the advice that you gave her so thank you for that um but yeah I I beyond that I don't really have too much experience um obviously you know I, I know what it is um, but that's, uh, that's kind of the extent of it. Yeah. So how, how did she do during, did she, did she talk to you throughout the, the whole process of like doing that competition and like, how did it go for her? Um, so she actually, she had a lot of fun. She surprised herself with what she was capable of. Um, and she figured out, I, she didn't go into all the details with me, but she did figure out how to manage her blood sugar throughout the day. Um, and the cool thing was there was actually another guy competing at the competition who was also a diabetic. He had a a pump on his arm. Oh, cool. Uh, And so the two of them kind of connected over that. So that was really cool. Nice. But she, she did amazing. I'm so proud of her. That's awesome. That's (laughs) awesome. It's funny, like seeing other diabetics in the wild, you just see like, they're like, Dexacom, like glucom, like glucometer sensor, or like their pump, and you're like, ooh, ooh, diabetic, diabetic. And so you just like kind of like say hello and stuff like that. it's it's almost like another CrossFitter in the wild. Like you see like all these like normal people. I mean, CrossFitters are normal too, but like you see like someone wearing like you know a CrossFit shirt, and you're like, I know what's up. Yeah. So, you know, you stuff see like someone that. wearing nanos, and you're like, ooh, let's talk. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> Are you wearing those for comfort or are you just wearing them because you like them? Like, like, or you just like, you have no idea what, what they're from. So it's just like, you know, it's a shot in the dark in that. But if you see, definitely see a CrossFit shirt, you're like, okay, this person kind of knows what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I'm glad, I'm glad she did really well, but, um, are you, so you, you're in Kansas right now. So are you originally born and raised from Kansas? No, I was born and raised in California. Okay. I in the Central Valley. I grew up in Modesto and went to undergrad at uc davis up by sacramento uh lived out there until i was 24 maybe um and then i moved to new jersey for grad school okay (laughs) um saw snow for the first time when i moved to new jersey that was a wild time I lived there for a couple years. Uh, I had started a PhD program out there. And after about two and a half years, um, I finished my master's degree and I ended up leaving the program. Um, I was just really, really unhappy and figuring out that it wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, So after I left grad school, about two months later, I found out I was getting deployed. Um, At the time, I was in the Army National Guard. And I spent all of 2019 deployed, uh, came back early 2020. We all know what happened then. <laughs> the entire world shut down. Yep. Um, so I was kind of at this point of like trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I had my uh, PhD program that I had left was for neuroscience. Um, and so I, I had a big science background. Um, but I just didn't 
fully enjoy it like mm-hmm. I had in the past. Uh, and I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I liked working out <laughs> and COVID was kind of a, an opportunity to do a lot of working out. <laughs> um, and so I started getting more serious with my training and more serious with competing and ended up connecting with a coach in Kansas City, uh, Jill Glassnap. And I ended up moving out here in late 2021. I think okay. like September, October of 2021, I moved out here and I've been here since. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. I, I want to go back into like to the military stuff. So, yeah. cause like, I love hearing people's stories of like, why, why did you join the, join the military? Like what, so what was the, what was the, you know, go, what was the thing for you that made you want to join the military? Yeah. So when I was in undergrad, I was, uh, getting ready to start actually, I guess before undergrad, I was getting ready to start my freshman year at UC Davis. And I got a recruiting letter in the mail from the ROTC program. And um, I kind of like made a joke to my parents. I was like, oh, I could <laughs> join the army. They'll pay for my school. Yeah. And my mom, you know, she's oh, a good joke. Um, but then my dad, he was like, well, you know, like you could like, it's something to consider, like seriously consider. Um, and so him and I ended up having a, a long conversation about it and I'm very, very similar to my dad in a lot of ways. And he told me that one of his biggest regrets was not finding some way when he was younger to serve his country, whether it was through the military or something else. Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt like I would have the same regret if I didn't at least try it. Um, So I was very nervous. I was like, oh, the army is a bunch of insanely fit people. They're like superheroes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you know my dad, my dad's sitting there going oh no they're normal no, people. no they're yeah they're, they're average people so anybody can join the military um and i was like okay maybe you're right so i um i joined the rotc program at uc davis um you were allowed to take the classes without actually like joining the program and being in the uniform mm-hmm. um so i took the classes my first quarter of college I liked them, so I joined the program, and then I started wearing the uniform, going to the the lab exercises, all that kind of stuff. Um, still hadn't committed anything to the army, um, but I decided that I actually really liked it. And at the end of my freshman year, I applied for a scholarship. Um, I received a three year scholarship, so they paid for my last three years of college. And in order to accept that scholarship, I had to sign my contract. Mm -hmm. So I signed my contract in October of 2010 and uh, just got my uh, discharge paperwork about two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, what were you going in the uh, army for? for? So my original plan, um, (laughs) when I was in undergrad, I was pre-med. Uh, my major was neurobiology, physiology, and behavior, and uh, switched to that from biochem because I didn't want to take physical chemistry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I took I took organic chemistry and said I don't want. Oh, jeez, yeah, that that's awful. I've heard that's awful. Uh, organic chemistry gave me a, a quarter life crisis in undergrad, so mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, but when I was an undergrad, I, I thought I was going to go to med school and be a doctor. That had, that was what I had wanted to do for uh, my entire childhood. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to be a neurosurgeon for the Army. 
Um, so when I commissioned, I, I basically got to choose my branch because I went into the national guard instead of active duty, um, commissioning into active duty. There's an accessions process and you have to like be matched with your, your branch and it's, you know, needs of the army. Um, but because I was going into the national guard, all I had to do was find a unit that had, uh, an opening with the AOC that I wanted and get a letter of acceptance. And I got that for medical service. Um, so my plan was I'll go into the medical service corps. Uh, it'll give me an opportunity to see the medical side of the army. Um, I'll go to medical school. And then once I finish medical school, I'll, you know, transfer over to the medical corps and be an army doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after undergrad, um, I, I did not apply to med school while I was in undergrad. I already knew that I was going to take at least a year off, um, just because it, it the application process alone is it's crazy, crazy. It's like a full-time job. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> um, so I had emailed one of my professors at the end of my senior year and I asked if she would write me a letter of recommendation for my medical school application. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. By the way are you interested in working in my lab as a lab technician? Um, And I was like, yeah, I don't know anything about research. I've never worked in a lab before, but sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I started, I started working in her lab at UC Davis. It was a neuroscience lab. Um, Got my first introduction to research and really enjoyed it. So throughout the first year I was working for her, um, I, took the MCAT. I applied to med school, didn't get into med school, but throughout that process, I was like, Hmm, I don't think I actually want to go to med school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when I decided to apply to grad school. Um, but on the, on the army side, I was kind of just like stuck in medical service at that point. And I was like, well, crap, this isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, so I started uh, looking into other options and I actually, by the time I went to captain's career course, I went for um, combined logistics and my plan was to uh, pick up a secondary AOC. So my primary AOC was medical service and I wanted to pick up logistics as my secondary um, uh-huh. And I did the logistics captain's career course, but I ended up not ever getting into a logistics uh, position to be able to submit the paperwork to pick up the AOC. Um, and then I ended up getting out. So spent my the majority, I guess, all of my Army career in medical service uh, unexpectedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens. It happens. But um, do you... Do, do you uh, so I don't know I mean this might be for the army too but do you think that medical gets away with like a lot more stuff compared to the other divisions? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I got away with murder, like literally murder. It was hilarious. So, yeah. It's it's funny because it was it's like a double edged sword. Like I loved that we kind of had free reign to like do whatever we needed to do and everybody was kind of just like oh we're just not going to touch them because they're medical and we don't understand what they do Mm -hmm. um so that was nice but then at the same time it's like well like i want to be involved in like 
the planning process and the operations process and everybody's just like, oh, you're medical, go do your own medical thing. We'll figure the rest out. Like, no, I want to, I want to do that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we, and we could do like so much more stuff and then compared to the civilian world. Like for, for me, I, I got, I got my like uh, medical tech, like, you know, certification through the, through the air force. And then I come out and all I have is an EMT basic, you know, oh certification God. where I could, suture people i could intubate people i can do a lot a lot more stuff than like what the normal like emt could do and like it was funny during one of the uh during one of the codes we had for training um it was obviously a mannequin but it wasn't real but like we had one dude he was a doctor there just completely shit the bed when it came to like the code like like just messing up the code he was just like froze and so i'm like i'm like i literally took him pushed him over to the side and I was like this, all right, I need two IVs, one here, one here. I need some fluids. I need this. What's the sat? Like literally going, going up and down to checking who this per like what's going on with this person. And then like, I was like, okay, um, what's her sat? Like, oh, it's like 85%. I'm like, all right, well, it's time to intubate. Let's go. So like, I literally like intubated this patient and like, just like, you know, brought him over to like some like, you know, area just to kind of, you know, like an ICU just to make sure he's okay and stuff. But it was like, it was so funny. Like I got to do so much stuff in the military. Like it was just in insane. Like even like, even like dealing with patients, like, you know, military members that are patients, it's just like, God, you're such a wuss, like suck it up, man. Like, like goodness. And like, there was, so I had to do so many STD checks. That was just hilarious. Gosh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I was, uh, I was medical service and that's like the, the one part of the medical world in the army that has zero actual medical capabilities. Like yeah. I, I didn't do, I was like, um, I was the platoon leader for the medics. And mm. so I, you know, did logistics and I made PowerPoints and I sat in meetings with the commander and all that kind of stuff, but nothing actual medical. But um, during my deployment, my medics taught me how to give an IV and I got nice. to give my commander an IV. <laughs> nice. Nice. I, I used to be the guinea pig for new, for new trainees, like, like people coming in for IVs. Cause like literally my arms are like Google maps. Like, like seriously, like, like I get, it's called nurse porn. Like they literally look at my veins and they're like, Oh my God, these are amazing. And it's just like, I don't, I don't even need a tourniquet for, to do an IV. And like, what I would do is I would lay in bed and they're like, okay, you have to get an IV on this guy. And I would start screaming and get them so like anxious and fired up that like they would fuck up part of my French. And like, literally I had one guy, he literally took a needle. Like this is my arm here. He literally went straight down in my <laughs> arm instead of like doing a, like an angle like this. And I'm yelling at him like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what is wrong with you? And so, yeah, it's, it was, I, I, I think I got like seven IVs in like one day just to get tested oh on itself. It was like, whatever. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's the craziest stuff. Like with SCD checks, like I didn't go near there. I told them like, like, listen, you did this. So you're putting that Q-tip up there. And so, and, and it would be funny. Like, and they'd be like, they go in, they're like, and I'm like, no, you got to go in a little further, bud. just, you know, kind of, kind of move it around too. And so I'm like, you regret doing this? And they're like, yep. So. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah, we I got away with so much. Oh, it was it was so funny. Like just I would just mess around and I, I the my, but the thing was I would get stuff done. That's the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you get it done, you could screw off or whatever. So <laughs> That's awesome.
But uh, what was the deciding factor of you actually um, like leaving the, the military? So I originally commissioned into the California National Guard. Um, when I moved to New Jersey for grad school, I submitted an interstate transfer to transfer to the New Jersey National Guard. And that process took me like two years. And in that process, I lost two good years towards retirement because mm-hmm. in order to retire at 20 out of the guard, you have to get your retirement points by attending drills, attending annual training, all that kind of stuff. And because I was in the middle of an inter- interstate transfer, um, I didn't have enough attendance points to uh make good years for those two years. So I already lost two years in that interstate transfer. And then when I was moving from New Jersey to Kansas, um, I again tried to do an interstate transfer from the New Jersey guard to the Kansas guard. Um, About a year after I first submitted my packet, uh, I had already had to resubmit my packet two more times because it got lost. And at that point, the, so I had talked to the Kansas guard and I was like, Hey, um, you know, I have spent a lot of time in MTO units and right now I want to focus on trying to qualify for the CrossFit games. And my, like the op tempo of an MTO unit doesn't necessarily allow for that. So mm-hmm. I would like to go into a TDA unit. Um, so MTO is like the combat units, TDA for the National Guard is the units that basically manage like the state operations um, because the, the National Guard differs from active duty and the reserves and that the National Guard can be deployed within the United States. So we respond to things like natural disasters. Um, you know, I spent over a year activated in New Jersey for the COVID response in New Jersey. So, um, you know, a lot of stuff state, stateside and the TDA units kind of manage that stateside stuff. Yeah. So I was like, I want to go into a TDA unit. I'm all about the stateside stuff. Got a lot of experience with it in New Jersey. I'd love to do more of it in Kansas. I just don't want to be in an MTO unit right now. They were like, yeah, great. We'll, we'll put you in this TDA unit. It's going to be great. Fast forward like three months and I get a call from the brigade commander. And she's like, hey, um, we have a field artillery unit that is deploying and we need a commander for the rear detachment and you're our only option (laughs) and because i was already a captain and i hadn't had command at that point i wasn't in a position to say no Mm -hmm. um so i the interstate transfer to kansas turned into instead of transferring into a tda unit they wanted to transfer me into a command position and I was like, oh, no, this is not what I was hoping for. With yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the more I learned about the unit, the more I realized what a disaster it was going to be. They didn't have a supply sergeant. They didn't have a readiness NCO. Like, the, it was just a mess. And it was, um, it was the forward support company for a field artillery unit, which means they have a ton of equipment. They're not taking any of it forward with them. So it's all going to be stuff that I'm going to have to sign for. It's probably all broken. (laughs) And without a supply sergeant, that was just like a recipe for disaster. Mm. Um, So at that point, my interstate transfer packet got lost again. Uh, So I told New Jersey. 
I told New Jersey, I said, you know what, just change it to a resignation packet. The only difference is you check a different box on the form, um, submit my resignation packet. So uh, that packet got lost twice. <laughs> uh, but finally, finally got my resignation packet uh, submitted and approved and got my official, uh, I, I guess it's, so when you commission, it's federal recognition. When you lose your commission, it looked like a federal recognition form. I don't know if that's what it's called, but whatever it was. Um, so I'm, I'm officially out. <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed my time in the army and I'm grateful for it. And I learned a lot from yeah. it. Um, but it just got to the point where I, it wasn't what I was passionate about anymore and it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and it was becoming more of a chore than anything. And I just, I got so fed up with all of the bureaucracy and, and the, yep. you know, yep. yeah. the process takes two years because of all the paperwork and red tape. <laughs> Pretty much. Yep. That, that was the, that was the air force too, as well. Like it's, yeah. I think it's every single branch. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just government in general. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So um, when, when did CrossFit come about like in your coming to your life? So I graduated from undergrad in 2013. Um, before college, I was a dancer and a gymnast. So I was very active when I was younger. Um, I quit gymnastics when I was I think in middle school and then I quit dance when I was in high school. And then when I went to undergrad, the only physical activity I did was PT that I was required to do for ROTC. Mm -hmm. um, I graduated, I commissioned, and then I had, again, because of bureaucracy and paperwork, I didn't drill for about 10 months because I was waiting for them to actually like process my commission. Mm -hmm. um, so it was coming up on having to get ready for my first drill. And I was like, oh, crap, I'm going to have to take a PT test. And I've done nothing except sit on the couch and eat a lot of Taco Bell. And I am not in any shape to pass a PT test, and which was very sad because at the time, uh, it would have been the run that I would have failed. And I had almost, I had 18 and a half minutes to run two miles and I wasn't able to do it at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, so I, at the time I was working for the Princeton review, I was doing, um, ACT, SAT teaching and tutoring. Um, and right next to the Princeton review office, there was a new gym opening. Uh, it was a strength and conditioning gym and they had a, you know, try it for a week for free. Um, so I, I got some information from them, ended up trying it out, uh, went to a 6am class on a Friday morning and, uh, it was really, really, really rough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the coach did not think that he would ever see me again. <laughs> I showed up again Monday at 6am. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Very cool. And, yeah. So started at that strength and conditioning gym, um, Focused a lot on like powerlifting, um, but we did a little bit of CrossFit-esque stuff. You know, mm -hmm. I, I learned what a burpee was. I learned what a thruster was, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I, I got into Olympic lifting um, about a year before I moved to New Jersey. 
And I wanted to continue doing it in New Jersey. And I didn't know where else to go besides an actual CrossFit gym. Mm-hmm. So that was 2016 that I joined my first like legit CrossFit gym. Okay. Okay. Well, so obviously like the first day was, was really rough for you, but like, what kind of made you stick and say, Hey, I want to keep on doing this. Was it just like, Hey, I just got to pass my PT test. And so just, I can, I need, I need something. So actually, um, I really just enjoyed the people. Mm-hmm. Um, I showed up that Friday morning. It was a class of maybe like five or six people. Oh, those are the uh, best. Those are the best, by the way. It's bad, bad for the gym, but like awesome for <laughs> awesome for the clients. Yeah. And it was, it was so great. All of them learned my name. Um, you know, I'm the last one doing the workout and they're all cheering me on to finish. <laughs> and after the class was over, they wanted to talk to me and get to know me. And they were like, Hey, you know, we hope to see you again. It was great meeting you. And so, um, at that point I was like, well, I just, I like these people and I don't want to let them down by not showing up again. Mm, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. I went back on Monday. Nice. <laughs> um, and then it just became like, Oh, well, you know, I told Steve I was going to be there tomorrow. So I have to go tomorrow morning or like, Oh, you know, we're, we're doing this in class tomorrow. And like, so-and-so said that we're going to work on that. And so I need to be there. Um, and then that slowly turned into, wow, this is really cool. Like I like pushing my body and seeing what I'm capable of. I didn't know I could do these things and this Mm -hmm. is really exciting. So it started with the community and then turned into just like really enjoying, uh, learning what I was actually capable of. Yeah. So when, when did, when did like you realize you're like, Hey, I'm kind of better than the majority of the people at this gym. Um, I, I don't think that was necessarily the case until I moved to New Jersey. Okay. And I started at the CrossFit gym in New Jersey. Um, that, so that was like September of 2016. And then picked things up pretty fast. Um, there was a lot of, you know, like CrossFit nuanced movements that we didn't do at my gym in California. But when yeah, I yeah. started learning them in New Jersey, I picked them up pretty fast. Um, I think a lot of that was just because I had like a gymnastics background and I had like decent body awareness from mm-hmm. growing up in gymnastics and dance. Um, so the 2017 Open uh that was back when they had regionals and for 2017 i did the open in the northeast region and at the time i think you had to finish like top 25 to make regionals um and i did not know anything about competing in crossfit or anything like that i just did the open and i finished like i don't know 750 in the northeast region or something like that i was like oh that's actually pretty good like yeah yeah. Maybe I should try this. <laughs> um, so I actually started being like, okay, I want to do this. Like I started doing local competitions. Um, I was so ready for the 2018 open. I did the open and I finished, um, I think I was like 150 okay. in the Northeast region in 2018. So I was like, all right, this is it. Next year I'm making regionals. But 2018 was the last year they had regionals. <laughs> RIP. RIP. Yeah. <laughs> so then um, 
2019 also got weird because that was when I deployed. Um, so I missed the 2019 open um, because I was between three different countries throughout the five weeks of the open. Um, and then 2020 open, that was the year they did the open in October. Mm -hmm. So I did the open while I was still deployed in 2019, uh, lost a lot of fitness <laughs> during my deployment. Um, but I did the open, didn't go great, but, uh, came back excited and motivated to like get back into training until I went back to the gym for the first time. And, Oh God, I don't even remember what the workout was. It was like skierg and dumbbell thrusters and something else maybe. And it was a 12 minute workout. And after the 12 minutes was up, I laid on the floor of the gym and cried because it was so, so hard coming back to it after my deployment. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so with me laying down, I'm not a big fan of that person personally. This is for me. I've only done it, I think twice in my whole entire CrossFit career. And I've been doing this for like nine, nine years. And I was just like, I just can't, I don't want to lay there like a dead dog. Like I just can't, like, I can't do it. And I, I the one the, I, I remember the one specifically was the CrossFit open workout with the thrusters and chest bar pull-ups. Missed that one. That yeah. was 2019. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think I got to like the round of 18 thrusters and oh. I like, after I was done, I was just like trying to lay on the wall, like lean back on the wall, like trying to get on all fours, try to sit on a box. And I was like, I, I don't, I don't know what to do with myself. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't get comfortable. And then finally I was just, just like plop, just like on the floor. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll have to do this for a little bit. So. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. I lay down after almost every workout. My coach yells at me sometimes, <laughs> but I am, I am so dramatic at the end of my workout. I, I can, I can see that. Yeah. I've, I've seen some, some videos of like some of the like elite CrossFit girls or like other CrossFit girls, like just moaning and stuff like that. And I'm like, Oh, that sounds very, that that's, I'm very uncomfortable right now. It's like, should I just shut this off and just watch something else? So, yeah, when I'm uh, when I'm at the gym working out and there's like classes or something going on, and I'm doing like a a really hard like what really gets me is rowing and the echo bike. Like I make some very very weird noises when I'm rowing or when I'm on the echo bike. Yeah, and I'll tell the class I'm like I'm really sorry for whatever is coming out of my mouth right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. And so, um, what, um, you know, like I, uh, do you like, why didn't you start working with like other, like, you know, um, CrossFit companies like misfit, like mayhem or anything like that? Like why? Cause I know you, you, you were training at the gym and then I think you have a, like another coach right now at Cobra command, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So my coach at Cobra Command, her name's Jill Glassnap. Um, I started working with her in 2021 after quarterfinals. Um, up until that point, my coach before her was actually my best friend. We started out as training partners and then she moved more into the coaching side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she ended up being my coach for a while. Um, before that, my coach was just the owner of the gym that I was at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so when I was working with my best friend, her name's Elena, 
Uh, and she's actually back to competing now, which is awesome. I think she's going to make semifinals next year. Nice. Uh, but uh, when Elena was coaching me, she coached me through the 2021 season. So I did the open and quarterfinals that year. And I finished quarterfinals. That was back when North America was one region mm. and you had to finish top 120 in quarterfinals. And I finished quarterfinals 231. Oh. So, yeah, it, we we had a long conversation about it. And the gist of the conversation was, you know, I can get there, but neither of us really know exactly what that looks like because we've never done it before. I've mm. never been there. She's never coached somebody there. Um, so she was like, you know, I love working with you and I love coaching you, but I want you to do what's best for you. Um, she was like, I never want you to like stay with me as your coach, just because we're friends and you don't want to hurt me or feel bad or whatever. She said, you need to do what's right for you. So if there's a better opportunity out there, you need to take it. Yeah. So I started, um, I started emailing a bunch of training camps. Um, I emailed, training think tank. I emailed, uh, Justin Kotler before he started underdogs. I emailed, uh, comp train, you know, just all of these training companies, uh, or training, uh, camps that I could think of, um, trying to figure out like, how, how do I, how do I become one of your athletes? Like how, how do I do this for real? Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of the, the majority of the responses I got, if they even responded at all, were, you know, you can do remote programming, see how that goes for a year or two. If it works out, then, you know, maybe you might be invited to come uh, train in person with us, that kind of stuff. But at the time I was 29 um, and I was like, you know, I, I don't have a lot of time to... Yep test something out for two years and see if it works. Like I need a solution that's going to be right here right now. Um, and I was ready to pick up and move wherever, like right then and there. Um, so I ended up getting connected with Jill through my nutrition coach at the time. Well, she's still my nutrition coach, uh, Meredith and Meredith coaches. Uh, she does nutrition coaching through Cobra command. So she was like, I was kind of, you know, explaining the situation to her and she was like, oh, I should connect you with Jill. Um, at the time, Jill was coaching Jacob Hepner and Olivia Kerstetter. Oh, cool. And um, so like, she's obviously, she knows how to coach somebody to the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's perfect. So I got on a call with her, um, really enjoyed talking with her, came out to visit for a weekend. Uh, enjoyed being out here and then decided to move out here. So I'm incredibly grateful that she was willing to take a leap of faith with me. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's worked out pretty well so far, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so too. So um, what when, when you got those notifications that you were the fittest service member for like two years in a row, pretty much, like, how, how did you feel through that? Do you feel like, okay, like, this is, I, I, I'm in a good path of like where I'm supposed to be. Yes. And no, I kind of have mixed feelings about the occupational game. Okay. Um, I, I know that there are other females in the service who probably could have beat me in the occupational games if they had participated. Um, but they were focused on 
you know, at the time, I think in 2021, the first year I won the occupational games, um, Rachel Schreiber, now Rachel Von Ratch, she was on the warrior fitness team. And like, if she had competed in the occupational games, she probably would have beat me. She was a very good athlete at that time, mm-hmm. um, but she was getting ready for semifinals. So she didn't do the occupational games. And um, there was just a lot lower participation in the occupational games than I was hoping for. Um, so it's still cool to be like, yeah, I'm like, I'm the two time fittest military service member. Um, and I think last year, I, I believe it more for 2022 than I do for 2021. I'll, okay. I'll put it that way. <laughs> you shouldn't sell yourself short though. Come on. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. I bet, I bet you there were like hundreds and thousands, like hundreds of, or like thousands of people that were like, would be like, man, I wish I can be like, you know, the fittest <laughs> service member or whatever occupational game occupation they are at, like be like, Hey, I'm the fittest person there. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am proud of it. I'm proud of it. Um, I'm a little sad that CrossFit got rid of it this year, but I understand I why they did. Um, they needed to focus on other things with, uh, the bigger picture in mind. So I, I get that. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to be I'm ready to call myself a games athlete. <laughs> okay. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um like how how many sessions do you do for like coaching at Cobra Command? So I only coach on my rest day. Okay. Uh, well, I take Thursdays and Sundays are my rest days. And so I coach on Thursdays. Um I coach two classes on Thursdays right now. Um, that might change once I'm into the off season and I might coach a little bit more. Um, I just don't necessarily have the time, um, to dedicate to coaching every week right now. Yeah. But like when, when you do coach in the off times, like how do you kind of, you know, get the, get the group ready or, you know, do they know like what you're trying to do at all? They do. Yeah. My gym is super supportive. Um, they're, they're so incredible. Um, we have, uh, we have a, a, a bright spots board at our gym where we'll update it every couple of weeks with like the bright spots of the gym. And they always want to put like my competitions and stuff up there. So like they put <laughs> when I, you know, Leah qualified for semifinals. <laughs> um, so that was really cool. I actually had um, a couple people from the gym come out and watch me at semifinals last year. Oh, very cool. Yeah. They traveled all the way from Kansas to Knoxville to watch me at syndicate crown last year. Um, and then there's like a whole group that is already planning their trip to Madison this year. I'm like, guys, I haven't qualified yet. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but you will. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, um, when you when your first time at, uh, at like the, you know, the syndicate crown, like the sanctionals, whatever they call it, like what, like, what was your whole, like when you walked in there and registered and then started doing the competition, like what was going through your mind throughout that whole process of you being there? Oh my gosh. I was so excited. It was like, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. Walking into like the athlete registration. Um, I was, I was on cloud nine. It was so cool. You know, you walk in, they give you all your information. You know, we got like our shirt and our little noble pack and all that kind of stuff. And we got the, um, the lanyard with our name on it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it has my name on it. And it says athlete. This is so cool. It, it, it's almost like Wayne's world when like they, they were in the back of the back of the concert and they're like just showing <laughs> yeah. their back, the VIP passes. That's exactly what 
probably would have felt like. Um, but it, it was just so exciting. And last year, so I've, I've done a lot of work on my mental game in the past year. And last year I showed up to semifinals. I finished quarterfinals at 115. Um, between the end of quarter, quarterfinals and finalizing the leaderboard and sending out semifinals invites, I bounced between 115 and 125. And the cutoff was 120. So yeah. that was like the most stressful two weeks of my life. Yep. Ended up finishing at 115, got my invite to semifinals. I cried when I got the email. I was getting ready to do a personal training session with somebody and I was crying. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but I went to semifinals last year in a very different mindset than I'm going this year. Last year, I was just excited to be there. I almost felt like it was a fluke. Like, I'm not actually supposed to be here. Somehow I managed to sneak in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. Um, and so it was really just like, it, it was, it was just exciting. And I, I wasn't, super focused on like, Oh, I'm going to try to win this workout or what's my strategy to beat this girl and blah, blah, blah. Like none of that. I was just like, I'm going to go out on the competition floor and they're going to see my name. And that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but very different mindset this year, this year I'm, I'm going to compete this year and, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in the last heat this year and punch my ticket. So. Okay. Very cool. So, um, what's the pro have you, have you done like, uh, like the travel arrangements already, like how, what's the, what are the steps from like you leaving Kansas to going to Orlando and then doing the competition? Like, how, like, do you going to give yourself like a couple of days just to get acclimated down there? Like how, how's that work for you? Yeah. So I'm actually in the West. Um, oh, the West. I'm sorry. That's right. Kansas is in the West. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my bad. <laughs> um, so cool thing the Pasadena Convention Center is only 30 minutes from where my sister and her husband just bought a house. Okay. So I'm going out. Um, my registration or my check-in is on Thursday and my competition starts on Friday. I'm flying in the Sunday before and I'm staying with my sister for a couple of days. Um, <clears throat> so I'll have some time to, you know, shake out the travel, get some food prep done. Um move a little bit before the competition starts and mm. then I'll compete Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, my parents are driving down from Modesto, so they're going to come. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, and then after the competition, uh, I'm staying with my sister again until that Wednesday. Um, we're going to, we're going to go to Disneyland. I'm really excited. Okay. I would be too. I've, ne I've never been there. So it's, it seems pretty Maybe. cool. Yeah. Well, oh. I bet. I've been to the one in Orlando like a bunch of times okay. because it's like I'm from the East Coast, so it's like easier. So I've never been over. The only time I've been to Cali was when I went to um, San Francisco to Travis Air Force Base. And that was like the only real time I saw like it, it, it was a dump. Like this was like eight, eight years ago or something. No, less like um, less than that. But it was just like walked around. I'm like, this place is a shithole. So <laughs> this place is awful. So, Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, so I haven't been to Disneyland in <clears throat> probably 15 or 20 years. Um, so I'm really excited. We used to go, my dad had a, a work conference in Pasadena every year. And mm. so we would get our family vacation and we would go to Disneyland. Oh, cool. 
Um, but I, I think the last time we did like a Disneyland night trip for our, our senior grad night in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, I think the last time I was at Disneyland, I was probably seven or eight years old. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. So lots, yeah. lots of new things, lots of new things. <laughs> I'm really excited. Awesome. So does your sister have any kids in the house? She does not. Ooh, thank goodness for you. Oh, Yeah, no, no crying babies. <laughs> thank, thank, thank goodness. Like that's like I can't imagine like kids are like super early in the morning running around because I I have two kids. I have a seven and a four year old, and so I I train. I I've told tell everybody like I train super early in the morning. Like I start working out at like four thirty at the oh gym. So because like that's that's the only time I can do it. And so like there's times where I want to sleep in, and my son's up at like six a.m. and I'm sitting there like what like what's going on and like and my daughter sleeps through like anything so she'll she's she's up at like like 8 30 and she goes to bed at eight so it's insane like how much it's insane how much sleep she gets so i love that a girl after my own heart yeah i mean i i i'm such an early riser that it's just like whatever it just comes with the territory and that's my my son's like that and my wife will just like sleep as long as she can. And that's obviously my daughter is exactly, exactly like my wife. So I love sleeping in. I, that's, that's part of the reason why I got so fed up with the military. I was tired of waking up early at like training and drill weekends and stuff like that. I was like, I just don't want to be awake this early for anything ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, and obviously like all those dudes are drinking like those big monsters, like not, not the, not the ultra ones, like the real, like no sugar, like the ones that have like 120 grams of sugar or something like that. So it's just, yeah. oh gosh, I can't ugh, gross. Yeah. There was a, there was a lot of monster in my, in my army years. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely, definitely. Um, so I, I got some I got some questions from Vic. Okay. Oh boy, okay. So um so he he had well one of his one of his questions was so I know you've had a journey with your jerk blocks. <laughs> so can can you kind of tell me a little bit more information about that? Okay. So <laughs> Um, the cycle that I'm in right now, my coach has been programming jerks off the blocks. Mm-hmm. However, we did not have jerk blocks at the gym. So, um, I tried to do like a wooden box with a foam box on top, but the problem is I'm too short and I didn't have enough room to dip mm-hmm. before my jerk and I would hit the boxes. So, um, we didn't have, we only had three of the small foam boxes. So I couldn't just stack two foam boxes because I would need four of them. And we only had three. So what I would do is I would pull out every 45 pound plate we had in the gym to stack them up underneath the foam boxes. (laughs) I put, um, like, a like a ROMWAD mat on top of them. And then I would band them together underneath the plate. Oh my word. And every time I would end up, you know, I'd do a jerk and the bar would come down and one of the boxes would topple <laughs> and the bar would fall off. And it was just every session I had some fiasco with my DIY jerk block. 
Um, and so I, I posted a video on, or I posted a picture on my Instagram story one week and, uh, I had tagged my coach in it and she texted me maybe like two hours later. She's like, Hey, I found these jerk blocks on Facebook marketplace. They're at a gym that's like 30 minutes away. Um, the gym will buy them, but you have to coordinate going to pick them up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, all right. Sold. Sweet. She was like, I cannot see another post about your failed jerk block. <laughs> <laughs> so we got really lucky. The timing worked out that this gym was selling them and uh, picked up my new jerk blocks a couple of weeks ago. And it's been great since then. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So um, funny story about the jerk block. So like my gym doesn't have jerk blocks. And so I actually used, um, so I'm 6'6". Six, six. So, um, I used two, two, two boxes and then I used the two pads, like two pads. <laughs> I think it was like, I like, and they were like kind of mix matched a little bit. So there was like a, you know, one big one and then like one medium and a small one that kind of equal yeah. both. And so I was like, all right, I'll just use that. And I was doing overhead squats with it. And so like, I would like literally like get it, go down and come back up and then drop it. And I was literally holding onto the bar just to kind of keep it in the middle. So, and I actually yeah. posted that on social media too. So and it, every, everyone's like, that looks so dangerous. And I'm like, yeah, it's, oh, yeah. it's it, I mean, if you hit the middle, you're good. So, so yeah. yeah, I, that was that I had a couple posts, like I had a couple pictures and videos of like, the bar on the floor, the box tipped over, or I had a video of the bar falling off the boxes. And <laughs> those were some of my most responded to Instagram. Of stories. course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to have jerk blocks now. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like jerk blocks too. They're, they're, um, they're a, a necessity at some times. So yeah. <laughs> It's like, cause there were times I would do lifts and then I have to do a clean just to rack it. That's a, but I'm like, I, I can't do yep. it anymore. But um, <laughs> so the next question from Vic is, what is your favorite movement? Ooh, that's tough. I really, I really like snatches. Um, I would love to see a max snatch at semifinals this year. That would be amazing. Um, but I also really love ring muscle-ups so like if you can guess amanda is one of my favorite workouts mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah ring muscle up. um yeah i don't know if i could choose between the two okay now what is a what is a, a, a movement that you like doing that you are not really the greatest at <laughs> that's 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 my question by the way so Ah, I'm going to say echo bike because I'm learning to love it. Mm -hmm. Um, the echo bike has been a nemesis for a long time. And, uh, I used to absolutely despise it. Like it would make me cry sometimes. Um, but I'm learning to actually like feel powerful on it and like feel confident on it. So I'm still not the best at it, but it's, I'm enjoying it a lot more recently. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Now, um, you, uh, so I've heard, uh, another Vic question. Um, why do you not like 
pineapple on pizza. <laughs> Did he tell you where this came from? No, he didn't. He just so so I so what happened was I texted him. I'm like, I'm like, hey, you know, I I have you on the show like coming up. Like, what I obviously like he knows more about you than I do. So, cause like, this is the first interaction we're actually having. So, but, um, any, I'm like, do you have any questions you want me to like, kind of talk to her about And he literally gave it like a whole laundry list of like questions. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to use 99% of these. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I think, I don't remember. Oh, it was when I, I did a podcast with him on, uh, not all black and white. Mm-hmm. And we were talking on Instagram and I was like, Hey, here's my number. Shoot me a text when you're getting ready to hop on. And, um, <laughs> I get a text like 20 minutes later and it's like, Hey, um, this is Domino's. I have your order of 15 large pepperoni pizza with pineapple. <laughs> and I responded, I was like, this is Vic, right? And he goes, yeah. I was like, for a second, I thought you were like a spam text message or something. Um, and, and he was like, okay, but like, would you have been mad if Domino's gave you 15 large pizzas with pineapple on them? I was like, yes. Oh, I would not be. Are you kidding me? Do you like pineapple on pizza? Yeah. So, so a little backstory. I like mixing weird shit together. So, um, one of them, like, I don't mind pineapple on pizza whatsoever. Uh, oh I, I mix, I, I mix Greek yogurt with, um, with like, you know, sugar-free jello powder. Okay. I've actually heard of people doing that and so I've heard it's good. It's, it's really good. It's really good. And now like, since then I don't have jello packages, I'm like, I kind of want this like a little bit thicker. So what I'll do is I'll take a like a honking scoop of peanut butter and slap it in there with Ooh. the Greek, with Greek yogurt and mix it around. I support that. I put yes. peanut butter in my yogurt a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is really good. But like, so the, the reason why I started doing like the sugar-free jello and stuff like that is obviously because like I can't have the regular sugar, uh, sugar jello. But um, I was listening to a podcast. It was like an old, old school uh, Barbell Shrugged podcast. And it was with uh, this strength and conditioning coach, Cal Dietz, who just, who, um, who wrote a book, The Triphasic Method. And mm -hmm. he's like, you should really consider, uh, especially like heavy, like weightlifters that like lift heavy, they should really consider eating jello on a daily basis because the ligaments and tendons in the jello get absorbed into your ligaments and tendons. And so, which makes, makes them a lot stronger than, um, than like someone else that doesn't eat jello like that. Interesting. That's ah, really interesting. Maybe I'll start eating jello. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or just, just, just eat the powder and that's it. So, and, and another one is, um, I, so like the two big things I learned out of that podcast was also, if you're doing a back squat or deadlifting, curl your big toe on the way up. And so Ooh, okay. what that does, it fires your glutes and hamstrings up to shoot up quicker on the back squat. I'll keep that in mind. Thank you. So, <laughs> just, just try it out and just try it out. But, uh, but yeah, so I am a, I am team pineapple on pizza. So all right, all right. <laughs> I don't love pineapple on pizza, but I do mix a lot of weird foods together. Mm. Um, <clears throat> growing up, one of our favorites, my dad would always make this. He would make homemade mac and cheese with like pounds of cheese, so good. And then we would mix in. Uh, we would take tuna mixed with mayonnaise. Oh yeah, I would do that too. Yeah. 
it's so mac and cheese with tuna and corn. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And yeah. all our friends, I, I have a brother and sister. That's why I say are. Um, all our friends growing up thought we were crazy. But anytime we had friends come over to the house, we would make them eat it. And they would be like, oh, my God, this is so good. <laughs> yeah. Like kind of like a tuna casserole kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the time. My, my mom used to make that all the time. So, so yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Um, and so um, I think... What is there? Uh, okay, so um, one of the other questions is, I've heard that you like dad jokes. And so do you have a favorite dad joke you like to say? Oh, man, I have so many. <laughs> um, okay, so um, I'll tell you a couple of my favorites. Uh, why was six afraid of seven? Why? Because seven was a registered six offender. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, what did the zero say to the eight? What? Nice belt. <laughs> it's so, so bad. So bad. Um, what's the other one? Um, uh, why did why did the golfer take an extra pair of pants to the golf course? Why? In case he got a hole in one. Oh my god. It's so bad. So bad. Okay. We're going to leave. We're going to stop that. We're going to stop there. So. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So um, we're, we're getting close to the end, but um, I, I do want to talk about your podcast real quick. Um, okay. So I know you have a podcast out and I know you've done other podcasts with like other people. So um, wh- like, why do you, why did you start a podcast and um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on like you going on to other people's podcasts? Yeah. So, um, so I, I go on to other people's podcasts just because I really like, uh, talking with people and I really like, um, kind of, I like the opportunity to share some of my stories because I think that there are stories that some people can connect with. And, um, one of my goals as uh, a competitor in this sport is to be able to be like a role model and an example and inspire, um, inspire people to, you know, improve their confidence in themselves and understand that they're capable of more than they maybe thought they were. Um, you know, my, through my CrossFit journey, I have lost about 40 ish pounds. Nice. Good for Um, you. I I was, uh, I was very overweight, uh, when I started CrossFit. And so being able to, you know, share that and share kind of aspects of my military background and kind of just like the experiences I've had in life. I think um, it's important for people to share their stories because you never know who they're going to connect with and uh, who they might impact or inspire in any specific way. Um, And I just really enjoy having that opportunity. Um, And then my podcast, um, it's called Rise. It stands for Resiliency, Identity, Strength, and Empowerment. And I actually started that with a friend of mine. His name is Jeff Pilon. And he um, he owns two nonprofits. One is called the Yes Foundation, which is Youth Esteem Services. And the other one is called Rise. Um, and so him and I created Rise together. Um, he had approached me about the possibility of starting a podcast 
And really the goal was um, to just bring people on who had stories to share um, about, you know, developing their resiliency, identity, strength, and empowerment um, throughout a variety of, of different um, experiences within their lives. Mm-hmm. And again, just being able to share that story, being able to um, hopefully impact and inspire people and show people that, um, you know, you're not, you're not alone if you're going through these things. Um, the original inspiration behind it was, uh, to create kind of like a, an archive for his daughter. He has a teenage daughter, um, who was basically getting to the point in her life where she, you know, it's not cool to listen to your dad anymore. (laughs) Um, and he, uh, he wanted to be able to collect stories and examples for her to be able to listen to, um, to kind of um, learn from, you know, gain some insight, some um, coping mechanisms, techniques to, you know, get through hard parts of life, things like that. Um, at a point when she wasn't necessarily willing to listen to him say it, but she might be willing to listen to other people say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's how it started. Um, and actually the second episode is an interview with Jeff and we talk about, uh, we go into a lot more detail of like how that all started and everything. Um, like I was telling you, uh, earlier, I really, I enjoyed recording the podcast episodes and I really enjoyed having the opportunity to talk with people and hear their stories. Um, however, I do not have the time right now to commit to make it the product that I want it to be. Yeah. Like I, I would want to put in so much more time and energy to that because I think that's what it deserves. Um, and I just don't have the time to commit to it right now. So I think once I have moved on from competing, I think it's, it's probably something that I'll go back to and pick up again. Yeah. So much fun doing these. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty biased because I have my own I have my own podcast, but still, it's just like I love just like learning about like people and like what their daily lives are like and stuff like that and how they handle situations and like all that stuff. So it's like super cool to you know understand that and you know learn from other people because like you know maybe someone listens to the podcast and is like, oh, I didn't know I could do it this way. Or like, I didn't know like this could happen this way, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, it's yeah. definitely cool to have a platform like this. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool opportunity. Yeah. I also just love, I love talking to people. Like if you see me at competitions, I'm talking to everybody. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not competitor. That's like trying to make friends with all the other people at the competition. <laughs> saying hi to everybody my coach has to like pull me away and be like no we have to we have to go rest now you only have a couple hours before your next event we got to go do this and i'm yeah, like yeah <laughs> yeah definitely definitely um so we have i have some rapid fire questions they're not really rapid fire you could take as long as you want so um you know just i just say that but um so i i know you're going into semifinals, and obviously the goal is to get to the games but do you have anything that you're looking to do more of in, you know, this year and next year? Like outside of CrossFit? Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I definitely, I want to get into more coaching at the gym uh, in the off in the off season for sure. Okay, cool, cool. Um, and then what are your goals for the year in CrossFit? Oh, make it to the games. Make it to the games. That's and, it. And uh, knock it last place. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll take that. Um, what is your favorite book? Ooh. Um, it could be fiction, nonfiction. It could be whatever you want. Okay, I'm going to give you two. Okay. My favorite book for a long time when I was growing up was The Giver by Lois Lowry. Mm-hmm. I read that in like fifth or sixth grade and just absolutely loved it. I read it like three or four times throughout middle school. Um, my favorite book that I read recently was uh, The Terminal List by Jack Carr. Okay. Uh, they turned it into an Amazon Prime series. I, I, I saw the first uh, couple episodes. I was like, eh, it's it's not bad, but I'm like, I don't know if I could take the time to watch this. The book is infinitely better. I didn't watch. I, I turned off the series after about three episodes because mm-hmm. I thought it did such a disservice to the book. Um, I cried at the end of the book. <laughs> it's so good. You know, I've never cried at a book before. I, that might've been the first time for me. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, what is something that, um, you like to do that no one else knows about? Oh, or, or uh, something that you like in general, like, you know, it could be whatever or, or yeah, something that you do. So something I do on my rest days, sometimes, um, I, I do cross stitching. Okay. Uh, I'm really slow. I've been working on the same project for like six years, <laughs> but it's just fun to do to kind of like take my mind off of things and just, you know, throw on some Netflix and, and do some cross stitching. Okay. All right. Cool. Very cool. Um, I've never heard that one before, so, uh, <laughs> I'll take that. Um, so what is in your gym bag? <laughs> everything. Every- everything. <laughs> I've got, um, I think right now I have five pairs of shoes. Um, <laughs> Damn. Okay. Yeah. So I have, I have two pairs of trainers that I alternate between. Cause like if I do my morning session in one pair, I don't want to go back in the afternoon and put on sweaty shoes. So I have two pairs of trainers for my two sessions. Um, I also have a separate pair of shoes that I wear for rope climbs because my trainers get eaten up on the ropes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have running shoes and I guess it's only four pairs, four pairs. <laughs> um, I also have a lifting belt, tape, grips, uh, my airwaves. I've got a first aid kit. Um, I've got extra shoelaces. I've got a towel. Uh, I've got sunglasses, chapstick, nail clippers, uh, what else? Knee sleeves, rope climb knee sleeves, because those are different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm somebody who, like, when I travel, I 150% overpack, and I am always overprepared for anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the military in you. So I treat my gym bag like a rucksack. <laughs> okay, that, that works. Um, so um, this is kind of like a little in-depth, like a little deep uh, question. So let's just say it's your last day on earth. You know, all your friends are around you. So how do you want people to know you as? 
Oh, I, I want to be somebody who brought happiness to people's lives. Um, like I, I tell people I want to be a light in the world. Um, I think there's a lot of negativity in the world, especially, mm-hmm. um, with how big social media has gotten and people, you know, feel like they are invincible behind a keyboard and can say whatever they want. And, um, there's a lot of, a lot of anger and hate in the world. And I just want to be, I want to be, a love and, and happiness and light and kind of counteract all of that negativity. Okay. All right. Very cool. Um, where can people reach out to you if they have any questions about like, you know, like your whole process of like being in the military, getting in, getting out, or like, you know, going to semifinals, being like, you know, very good at CrossFit and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Aliyah underscore Miller. It's E L L I A underscore M I L L E R. Um, I try to check my messages and, and the, the pesky hidden requests that Instagram hides from us. Um, I get so much, I, I, I get so much crap from those. I do too. (laughs) Um, but yeah, if, if you want to reach out, send me a DM on Instagram and, uh, I'm usually pretty good at at getting back to those. I concur about that too. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, well, thank you for coming on the show. I I really do appreciate it and kind of learning more about you. It was, it was awesome talking to you. And I obviously, you know, I would love to have you back on because like I, there is so much more I wanted to talk about too. And so (laughs) it's, Absolutely. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so um, I'll, maybe after like semifinals or something like that, we can get uh, link up and then do another show. Definitely, I okay. would love that. And we could talk about Orlando, but actually, no, it's California. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, it was great talking to you. You too. Thanks, Thomas.